Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Edward Humes, our special guest tonight for the first few hours, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist for reporting on the military for the Orange County Registered Newspaper, author of a number of books, 15 plus, most recently Burned, a story of murder and the crime that was not. Edward, welcome to the program. I'm looking forward to talking with you about this. Thanks, George. Happy to be here. And congratulations on your Pulitzer Prize. I worked for the Pulitzers back in 79 in St. Louis uh, at uh, one of their television stations that they owned at the time. And uh, very journalistically inclined family, let me tell you. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about, we're, we're doing two things here. We're going to talk about this incredible case, which is the basis for the book Burned but also evidence that gets screwed up, that gets people put in jail when maybe they shouldn't have been there. But tell us about this 1989 case, if you can, of Joanne Parks. Of course, yes. Well, Joanne Parks was uh, living in a a small suburb of Los Angeles, uh, Bell, when a fire broke out in her home, small uh, garage apartment. Uh, and the fire quickly spread throughout the house. She escaped, but her three children were trapped inside and perished. Three young children, ages uh, one, two, and four. Uh, And at first it seemed it was a a tragic accident and and was treated as such, but over time, the fire investigators who combed through the the wreckage and debris uh, came to the conclusion that the fire had been deliberately set that uh, wiring in the house, extension cords, had been sabotaged to to overheat, uh, and that one of the children had even been barricaded in a closet in there so he couldn't escape the flames and died a terrible death as a result. Joanne Parks was uh, tried tried for capital murder, faced the possible death penalty. The jury decided to impose a life sentence rather than death. after a lengthy trial, and she has been in prison ever since. How old is she uh, now? Thirty years. How, how old is she now? She is now in her mid fifties, so she spent more than half of her life in prison, and really had resigned herself to to dying in prison because it's a life without parole sentence under the the law that was in effect at that time. Was there was there a father at the house, or or was he around at all? There was a father. He he was at work and uh, had a had a fairly airtight alibi. Although at one point the investigators were convinced he was really the driving force behind this fire because he had been trained as an electrician in um, in the service in the army, and the the thought uh, by the investigators was that an uh, electrical short had been. Uh, created on purpose, and he would have had the know-how rather than uh, Joanne Parks to do that. But as I said, he had a, he had an alibi, and so the only other person who could have set the fire, if in fact it was deliberately set, uh, was Joanne Parks. Did so did anybody her. did anybody testify on behalf of her in terms of her character and her love of the kids or anything like that? There. Uh, there was a very concerted effort uh, to to take what it was weak uh, physical evidence in the case or ambiguous evidence uh, and to 
bolster it by prosecutors by going after her for her character. She was, you know, she was uh, not the best uh, housekeeper. The house was kind of messy. She was a young mother in her early twenties with three ch- young children. Mm-hmm. She had to work a job as a waitress to help support the family. Uh, the husband was not a reliable breadwinner, so there was a lot of stress and strain on the family. And um, some people thought that she could have been better at parenting than she was. She had very little support from her own family, her mother and, and sisters. And, uh, you know, it was possible to portray her in a very negative fashion in a way that was quite effective for the prosecution. There were other witnesses who said she was a loving mother and who, you know, did her best under trying circumstances. So that testimony was contradictory. Tonight on The CW, from the executive producer of The Vampire Diaries and the Originals, comes the incredible story about making contact. Get ready for the highly anticipated arrival of the new series Roswell, New Mexico, when Liz Ortega returns to her sleepy, legendary hometown of Roswell, where she's reunited with high school crush Max Evans, small-town cop with an extraordinary secret. Drawn together as if by some unseen force of attraction, Max reveals to Liz that he's an alien who fell to Earth during the infamous UFO crash of 1947. From another world, he and his brother and sister have lived their entire lives in secret, never telling a soul the truth about what they are or the mind-blowing powers they each possess. When Max's family finds out that he has broken their vow of secrecy, events are set in motion that will rock the entire town of Roswell to its core. Don't miss the unbelievable new series, Roswell, New Mexico, tonight, only on The CW. There is an organization now called the California Innocence Project that is uh, trying to defend her, right? Well, they took up her case. All these many years later, um, they had uh, taken a hard look at the evidence in the case, and they concluded uh, that it fell into a pattern of of cases that they had been seeing over the years uh, in which the um, expert testimony, the forensics, the CSI people that, um, you know, have become so prominent in our, uh, our, in our crime television shows and, and, and films, uh, and, and justifiably because they do an important job. But there's a pattern that's emerged where some of the forensic discipline. Some of that science turns out to have very little science behind it. And the experts who are testifying are doing so with great certainty, where in fact the certainty isn't warranted. And the Innocence Project felt that Joanne Parks' case fit into that pattern and that she deserved a, a reopening of the case. What got you to look at this case, Edward? Well, I was, I'm, I was interested in th- this this notion of innocence projects, which have spread from one organization in New York to ones all over the, the country in recent years, and and what stimulated their growth was the advent of DNA evidence, um, which which is the, one of the newest and most uh, well vetted and and researched of forensic disciplines, and the unintended consequence of developing this technology, which which was brought in. Um, to the justice system as a means of catching uh, uh, criminals and and doing so with 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 great surety of uh, as to who were identified. The unintended consequence was it also it exonerates people, mm-hmm. uh, including people who are in prison. 
based upon older forensic sciences. And the DNA has showed that we've made a lot of mistakes. There's been, since since the advent of, of modern innocence projects, these, these charitable organizations that go out and represent people who have essentially no constituency, there's been 2,363 exonerations of people who are in prison primarily for murder or other very serious crimes. Uh, and a quarter of those had been imprisoned on the basis of other forensic uh, experts who claimed that either through fingerprints or bite marks or uh, other forms of physical evidence, hair and fibers, uh, they had been convicted on the basis that. And then DNA technology has shown that they were innocent after all and that these older forensic disciplines were bogus. Uh, and that's been a revelation, and the justice system has been grappling with with bad science, junk science in the courtroom ever since. And, and one by one, these cases are being overturned. Uh, arson cases have fallen into that area uh, that turns out to have had a lot of poor science or or, or even mythology behind. Uh, some of these older cases in which uh, arson seemed to be found to, to have occurred, and it turns out there was no crime committed at all. Now, Edward, you have met Joanne Parks. I have. What did she seem like to you? She seemed like a person who's been uh, been in prison for the better, you know, the greatest part of her life. She bitter. Who's, 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 I think she 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 has she gave up hoping that she could ever um, get out. prove her innocence. She has maintained that she was innocent from the start. She I mean she never confessed. She never um, uh, did anything but claim that she she tried her her best to get to her children, but failed to do so, uh, and and had the double. Uh, horror of first seeing her children die and then being accused of killing them. If, in fact, she is innocent, I, I can't think of a more horrible horrible fate than, than having that happen to to a person, to lose their family and then be blamed for it. Um, be, because of the Innocence Project's uh, decision to take up her case, she, you know, she dared to hope and has, you know, is still fighting to overturn her conviction. But uh, I think she's a profoundly damaged person from these experiences. Oh, no question. How, how long? And, Go ahead. No, and, and, and that's really common. I mean, the people who have been released after spending so many years in prison for something they didn't do, how do you get over that? Uh, we have a very poor system in this country of compensating people for being um, being so wrongly uh, convicted. Uh and and even and money can't really return those years lost to you and the families that have been shattered as a result of these wrongful convictions. So what we really need is a concerted effort to review um, the kinds of uh, the, the, review the causes of wrongful convictions. And and one of the one of the major causes uh, is the misuse of forensic expert testimony. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.